What's up, everybody? It's Sathya Sam here. Welcome to the New Man Podcast. And today we are sitting down with Kirk Giles. Uh, Kirk Giles is the former president of Promise Keepers Canada, and he is the co-pastor of Forward Church. And uh, this is just a really, really deep interview. Uh, it's super rich. Um, Kirk was not just like the president for a couple of years. It's not like he just climbed the ranks and, you know, had his time on top and then he's moved on to other things. Uh, this guy started in the organization as a volunteer. His first paid job was as an administrative assistant and he eventually became the president for 11 years. So uh, this guy is for real. Um, he, he just did incredible things and he saw Promise Keepers through a lot of different seasons. And if you've grown up as a Christian man, either in Canada or the United States, you'll be very familiar with Promise Keepers. They've, they've been known for doing these massive live events uh, with, I mean, just tens of thousands of men gathered, uh, worshiping Jesus together, growing, learning, laughing, crying together, and just having uh, really transformational experiences. And I know lots of guys who have been deeply impacted by uh, promise keepers and um, and you know have have had significant encounters with the Lord as a result, so it was a real honor to have kirk and um, and you know he 's um, he 's just the kind of guy who is the same off the microphone as he is on, which i cannot say for everybody, but um, he was so encouraging of me and um, and just gave me a couple. Uh, real nuggets of of wisdom and encouragement after we hit record. So I just uh, I deeply appreciate him, and um, and honestly, he gave some of the best advice I've heard um, on this podcast for men. Uh, some good like principles and philosophy, but very practical as well. So I think you're going to really be blessed by this. Um, I encourage you just listen through, take notes if you're a note taker. Uh, pay careful attention. There's a lot of wisdom to unpack here, and I know you're going to love it. So, without further ado, here's my interview with Kirk Giles. Welcome to the New Man Podcast, a show for brave men to experience freedom in their faith, sexuality, and relationships. The goal: to provide practical tools and timeless principles that help you become the man you were made to be. And now, your host, Sathya Sam. All right, well, I'm here with Kirk Giles from Forward Church, uh, former president of Promise Keepers, now in practice. Kirk, welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's so good to be with you. Yeah, this is really fun. And uh, it was cool catching up a little bit beforehand and just hearing some of your journey. And uh, I think a lot of people would think that after being... Um, in like such a prominent leadership role for a prominent Christian ministry, um, it, it would seem almost like a reversal going back to be the lead pastor of a local church. But you had described it as, um, I think, drinking from a, a fire hose. It's been a, a big adjustment and it sounds like you're still learning lots and growing lots. Yeah, it has definitely been a big adjustment. I, I think most of the adjustment is just the reality of COVID uh, yeah. and how COVID has affected the church uh, all over the place. But you know, we've, I've always loved the local church since I was a teenager. When I was 16, I knew that God had ultimately called me to serve in the local church. So uh, I, I feel at home and I feel excited and blessed to where God has me. Yeah, it's amazing. And I mean, it's been a, a crazy journey for you to get to where you are today. And I want to go through as, as much of it as we can. Um, but maybe we'll go back before, uh, even before you were involved with Promise Keepers, 
Um, just tell us a little bit about how did you come to the Lord? And I know that people who get involved with Promise Keepers, like that's not something that you necessarily dream of doing when you grow up. Uh, that's that's what I always say even about my work. Like nobody wakes up yeah. one day and says, I want to help guys get free of porn. Um, there's usually a backstory that, that kind of fuels that passion in the first place. Uh, what, what was it for you? Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up in a Christian family. I came to know the Lord at a really young age. My mom led me to the Lord. I, I was wow. like, I was like the normal kind of church going Christian family. We, we did, you know, we went to church, we went to uh, Sunday school, we did kids clubs, like we did everything we were supposed to do as a good Christian family. Um, when I was 14 years old, uh, my parents divorced. Uh, my dad left my mom, and it was a really painful uh, experience for me. That was a, a, a very traumatic experience. And um, uh, that led to me having a lot of bitterness towards my dad through my teenage years. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when I was about, well, just right after actually my parents divorced, we had. I started attending a church. My mom and my brother and I started attending a church. And there were two men who came into my life and they were like father figures in my life. They, they believed in me. They believed in the gifts God had given to me. They challenged me. They, they were, they were not my dad, but they were like my dad uh, at that stage of my life. And I, I can honestly say that I would not be who I am or where I am today without God's grace and without those two guys and the influence that they had in my life. And uh, um, I'm giving you like a really long story and a condensed version, but the uh, 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 a few years after all of that happened, um, the ministry of promise keepers was starting up in the States and um, some Canadians were starting to get connected with it. My dad and I, uh, we decided we were going to go to a Promise Keepers event together. Uh, and so we did. And what we didn't know was that they were going to, uh, on the first night, they were going to talk about father and son relationships and broken relationships between fathers and sons. Wow. Uh, and so I'll always remember they they gave me a homework assignment that night. Um, the homework assignment was to go and write a letter to my dad and tell my dad exactly what I think of him. Um, <laughs> which, you know, at the time, I didn't think a whole lot of my dad, uh, given all the family circumstances that had gone down. Uh, so uh, I'm in a hotel room with my dad sharing this hotel room and I'm writing I'm sitting on a bed next to my dad's bed and I'm writing this letter to my dad and then the next day we go back to the event and they say okay if your dad's here give him the letter oh gosh Uh, which I was like oh no what have I done and uh, (laughs) he set me up (laughs) that's right so I, I I gave my dad my my letter and that started a journey for the two of us of reconciling our relationship as a father and son. And, Mm. um, and so, you know, really from my teenage years, there there were a number of things that ended up drawing me to promise keepers. First of all, um, I was introduced to porn at the age of like 12. Uh, So I I knew the effects Mm. of porn in the life of a guy. I had a broken relationship with my dad. And so I experienced the pain that happens when men have a father wound in their life. Uh, I, uh, I also experienced the blessing when men have other men come into their life by having those two father figures. And then growing up, I also experienced a number of church splits, different churches that we attended just kind of literally imploded. Uh, mm-hmm. And 
And I can remember always thinking to myself, like, this isn't the church Jesus dreamed of. There's no way this is what Jesus dreamt the church was supposed to be. Yeah. And then this thing called Promise Keepers comes along and it starts checking off all kinds of boxes for me. Like they're talking about men's issues in reality, uh, like they're talking about porn, they're talking about father wounds, they're talking about the importance of men investing in the lives of other men, they're talking about unity in the Christian community and praying for your pastors and blessing your pastors and all of these things. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, like, how can I be part of this? Like the, the impact it's had in my own personal life, how can I just become a part of it? And when the ministry started to be birthed in Canada, that uh, gave me an opportunity to start volunteering. And then uh, from there, just kind of steamrolled into working as an administrative assistant to start off with. Wow, amazing. That's an amazing story. I want to just go back because um, you're talking about father, just fathering, father figures, father wounds. And I know for me in, in the work I'm doing, helping guys get free of porn, um, it, it's pretty much guaranteed to come up at some point. And if not father wounds, then mother wounds. Um, those two father figures who, you know, kind of um, tied things over uh, before you sort of reconciled with your own father, what specifically did they give you that was so valuable in that season of your life? I think the most significant thing was um, they believed in me and they, they had my back. Hmm. So uh, both of them individually came up to me and, and sat down with me and said, Kirk, when... Uh, when a divorce happens, a lot of times people will take sides. And so people will take, you know, the husband's side or they'll take the wife's side when a divorce happens. And they both looked at me and said, Kirk, I want you to know I'm here to take your side. Wow. And um, those two men, uh, they lived that out. They, they fulfilled what they said to me. They took my side. They, uh, they stood with me, they believed in me, they challenged me, um, and, and they helped me to grow and mature spiritually and mm. to mature as, as a human. That's amazing. Amazing. And then what did your dad say when he, when he read the letter at the Promise Keepers event? How did that go down? <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to remember. It's all kind of a bit of a blur, um, but I, I know it was like really awkward uh, silence, and uh, it, it took us a while to to kind of unpack it all. Uh, we didn't sure. unpack it all right that same day. Um, you know, I, I, anytime I'm talking to guys about father wounds and reconciling relationships with people, I, a lot of guys love to just kind of like. I want to have one conversation and be done with it and move yeah. on with my life. And yeah. it, it just, it just doesn't work that way. And so, yeah. you know, it, it took us um, a long time and, and, you know, and I found that it actually went in layers and in stages too. I, I describe it often as being like peeling back layers of an onion. Um, mm. And, and God was just bit by bat, bit by bit, pulling back these different layers in my life of, things that I needed to deal with in my own heart towards my dad, um, all the way up to um, figuring out what does it look like to be and to honor my dad again, not just forgive my dad, but that's right, but to go to a place of being able to honor him again. And, and honestly, that took a long time for me. Um, but uh, God is very patient. And I'm very glad he's very patient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good point, though. Like one of my mentors says, the heart is a slow learner. Yeah. You know, like I think mentally we can like understand the concepts of, okay, yeah, I need to forgive 
and then I'll feel better and then I can move on. But you're right. Like the, it takes the heart time to really process that and catch up. Sure. Um, it's pretty amazing. Can you try to paint a picture for um, like people maybe who are my age who just understand Promise Keepers to have always been there? Um, you know, like you got to be around kind of when it was starting up um, and maybe presumably before it had blossomed into uh, kind of the renowned name that it is today. Uh, just what, what was it like? Was there a lot of energy around it? Um, was it humble beginnings? I, I don't know. I'm just kind of curious. What did it look like yeah, in the early days? It was wild in the early days. So yeah. You, you got to like, so the American version of Promise Keepers started up in the early to mid 90s and uh, it grew quickly within like two or three years. They were um, they were filling football stadiums with 80,000 men um, and uh, all over the US, like 15, 20 of these events every year. Um wow. And so when Canada wanted to start its own version of Promise Keepers, um, we were to a great degree living in the shadow of an American organization that was just this huge giant. Uh, right. uh, it was, you know, it was, I'll give you an idea of how big it was. Um, there's a show on TV. It's not as watched now as it was back then, but it's called 2020 and it's a news show and uh, on ABC network and, and 2020 uh, covered Promise Keepers. Promise Keepers was on the oh. front page of Time Magazine. Um, oh my gosh. It was, it was like everybody was talking about this thing. And so <laughs> as a Canadian organization, we started up and, um, you know, in a good way, we were riding this wave of momentum that was happening. So when we started, we started doing events in hockey arenas all across the country. Right. And um, we, had, we had, I can remember in our first, couple of years we we had events in hockey arenas with like thirteen thousand guys in hockey arenas which you know in canada to have thirteen thousand people at a christian event is massive Uh, so uh it, it was just wild to to live through that time and you know in the same breath we didn't really uh, have a great framework for building an organization. We, we were sure. flying by the seat of our pants. And so <laughs> w- within very short order, uh, you know, within three years, the ministry uh, was virtually bankrupt uh, wow. financially because it just, we just did not have the infrastructure built to be sustainable. And so we went through a huge, huge uh, decline and rebuild and morphed over different years into different kind of iterations of the ministry, but really the same mission stayed, you know, core. It, it was all about men. It's always been about men. It's always been about how do you help men to, to grow, to love Jesus and follow Jesus and become everything that he wants them to be as a man. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And, and, and a very interesting story. I didn't know that. I didn't realize it was kind of that up and down experience oh, yeah. um i i guess i'm curious like what did you guys uh, other than like sort of the practical operational parts of you know running an organization so that's sustainable and there's systems in place and all of that what did you guys do as far as serving the men um that went beyond events that allowed you to kind of sustain promise keepers because it's still going today obviously yep. you survived the bankruptcy <laughs> um so what, what did that look like how did you go beyond events 
Yeah, we started to uh, become really serious to say, how do we just walk with men all year round? So, and it, it's morphed over the years into different ways, but there's just been some core things. So we've we've built some core things like a, we have a daily devotional for men uh, where every day the ministry will just send something to you in your inbox and help you to connect with God's word. Uh, mm. The ministry would uh, uh, tr- provide other types of resources. So at one point it had a magazine uh, that morphed into uh, uh, having just more of an online presence with articles that guys can easily find. Uh, we used to have a cassette tape ministry back in the day, yeah, sure. uh, and that's now a regular podcast that they have. Uh, so, it, it, you know, we had all those kinds of resources. And then there was just this huge commitment to supporting the local church. And, mm. and so we really believe that the uh, men needed to be connected with other men in their community, uh, yeah. that in their community, they could do more ministry than what we were capable of doing as a national organization. And so um, we, we spent a lot of energy investing into leadership development, equipping leaders, providing different types of tools, whether it's workshops or small group resources or uh, just ongoing leadership support and training and leadership networks, uh, all mm. for the sake of empowering and equipping local churches to be able to reach the men in their community. That's beautiful. Yeah. And Promise Keepers, is, and I, it's now in practice, that has done a very, very good job at that uh, over the years. So I, I guess that kind of um, brings up another question I wanted to ask, which is, you know, um, local church leaders, I think, are, are constantly scratching their heads a little bit trying to figure out how to reach the men. Right. Like you look at that. I'm, I'm releasing a book probably in the next little bit here. And the demographics of who buys Christian books is dominated by women. And, you know, you look at the small groups and just all the volunteer, like all the involvement is really dominated by women in the church. Men seem to be a little bit, I don't know, absent, but we know they're not absent. Um, we know they're there and we know they want to connect and they want to uh, become more like Jesus and grow in their journey. What what were you guys equipping with uh, local local church leaders with? I mean, you're a local church leader now as well. I guess I'm just wondering, like, what what is it that men need to feel like they have a place in the local church as well? Oh, man, uh, I taught an entire seminary course on this, so we, okay. we don't have time to cover everything. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I think there's a few things. One, um, uh, every church has a culture to it. And you know, a language, a feeling, a vibe, whatever word you want to use, but every church has a culture to it. And, and so what you want to ask yourself is, um, uh, if you were the average man in your community, would you want to be a part of your church? Mm. Uh, what's the culture of your church like? And what's the language you use? What are the, it's little things like um, the songs you sing on Sunday morning. And can a guy even reach the notes that you're <laughs> singing with the songs that you're, you're doing on Sunday morning? So culture, you know, do, do you huh. value culturally reaching and investing in men's lives? Um, uh, you know, I think another piece to that is, do, do you have, a sense of vision that's big enough that a man would actually want to be a part of it. Mm. Um, if, if your vision isn't big enough that a man would want to be a part of it, he's got a lot of things pulling for his attention and his time and energy. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's important. I, I think the other piece is to understand that um, men do not all learn and grow in the same ways. 
So, uh, for example, a lot of church life is built on the idea of, okay, how do we get people into small groups? And there's buzzwords like community, and we need to be in community with each other. And, and, yeah. and there are guys who are wired to be able to relate face-to-face -face and, and um, at an emotional level with other guys. But there's a very large segment of men that are not wired that way. And they're more wired to do things. Uh, so, so, you know, they'll, they'll build relationships and friendships by doing something with other men more than just being in a place with other men. So mm -hmm. uh, that's why, that's part of the reason why men are so drawn towards sports teams uh, because they can be on a sports team, they can have fun on the sports team and they can build friendships with other guys that that they're playing whatever game with. And, yeah. and there's a competition factor for them as well. So, uh, you know, things like that. Culture is a big issue. Language, how you go about doing ministry in the church, uh, all of that uh, speaks a message about where do men fit in the life of the church. And then I think um, one of the real challenges for the church today is, um, so the church has a history of uh, at least in North America, oh, and even throughout the scriptures, I would argue, has a history of being more patriarchal. And so as, as we move into more modern times, where, you know, we say, okay, well, how do we, how do we lift up the profile of, of women? How do we raise the profile and the importance of women mm -hmm. uh, in our, our families, in our churches, in our communities? What has often happened is we've, we've, downplayed the element of um, uh, the patriarchy that we see in the scriptures. And I'm not here to promote patriarchy. What I am here to say is, I think we need a good theology of gender. Mm. Um, I, I don't think that men and women, or people for that matter, there's a lot of confusion around gender in our culture. Um, yeah. And I don't think people in general have a good theology of gender you know you go back to genesis and the scriptures teach us uh things like we were made in god's image he made them male and female in the image of god and all of that is very good it's all kind of encompassed under the idea of it's all very good so if gender didn't matter then there was no need for the scriptures to say he made them male and female there's something about being made male and female that matters. And it's more than just biology. Hmm. Uh, and, and so uh, I, I think that the church would do itself a service if it were, to, and not just for the men in the church, I think it would do itself a service missionally and in discipleship if it would come up with a good theology of gender that celebrates uh, the everything that God called very good in yeah. the very beginning. Oh, that's so good. I, and it's I think it's really true. Like you kind of hit on it at the end there. I think if you if you can really transform the man, then you transform the families. Like you're talking about, you transform the the communities, the cultures, and a lot of it has to do with just um, yeah some theology around what genders, what God, what the Bible says about gender, and and what it looks like to really be a man. In this day and age, you know, and a yep. time where when being a man is being redefined, if you want to put it that way, or questioned and whatever else. Yeah. When a local church or uh, impactus promise keepers gets a guy through their doors, and so he's found a place of connection, 
what are you finding uh, that guys, what do they really need when they do actually plug into a church? Do they need help raising their kids? Uh, do they need help with their marriage? Do they need help getting free of porn? Um, I imagine it's, it's all those things and probably more, but I don't know. Is there anything in particular that really has stood out to you of late? Yeah, I, I think there's a couple of things. There are the things that men feel they need help with. And then in addition to that, there's the things they really need help with. Uh, so, so, you know, the average guy is going to look at his, the things that are his felt needs, the things that are staring him in the face. So he loves his family. The, I mean, I've never met a man who says, I hope I screw up my family. Uh, every guy wants to know he can be a success at home. So, so, you know, how do I, how do I, be a good dad? How do I be a good husband? Um, and, and then he recognizes that there are things that are holding him back. Like he, he looks at porn and he goes, yeah, I got to deal with things like porn uh, in my life. Um, you know, the, the average guy also is dealing with, there's a lot more men dealing with mental health issues today. Um, yeah. So, there, you know, you can go through kind of the normal list of issues that you go, these are the felt needs where the guy goes, I know I need to deal with these things in my life and grow in these areas. Um, but then there are the things where the man doesn't see it. So the average man doesn't think about, do I have a father wound or a mother wound? Uh, it, it takes someone walking him through some of those kinds of issues to get to the heart of what's really going on in your life. The, mm -hmm. the average guy is not thinking about how is theology shaping everything in my life how is my love for god and my understanding of the of god's word shaping everything like how i go to work every day how i rest how i treat my family what i do in terms of the mission and purpose of my life uh, the average guy's not thinking like that and so you have to you have to kind of have this balance between the felt needs that he's expressing and, and knows he has with the things you know he needs uh, but being able to, but he's not aware of those things yet. Yeah, that's really good. Cause I think, I think the reality is like men, we'd like to, we'd like to project that, you know, we're rugged and we're strong and, and we're protectors and all of that. But actually there, on an emotional level, it takes a lot for us to really feel safe to go to a place like a, a mother wound or a father wound to even just talk about that. You know, it takes a long time to get there. And I think you're right. If, if you're meeting them at that level where, they're at least aware of some of the more present needs like their marriage, family, um, porn, whatever it is, then you can start there and, and earn some trust in the process, right? Yeah, absolutely. You can. It, I mean, and you would know this from the work that, that you're doing, but it, the temptation in ministry is to provide Band-Aid solutions all the time. Right. Um, and, and guys go looking for Band-Aid solutions. So right. like, you know, give me my five steps to success in whatever it is that I'm trying to, you know, achieve in my life. And, and, and discipleship is not that um, ever. Uh, <laughs> it's, it is always hard work. Like Jesus is very clear with us that the things we're doing are not the real problem. The real problem is what's inside, what's going on in our hearts. Yeah. And, and you'll never fix the problems that you're experiencing on the surface of your life if you don't deal with the things that are going on in your heart. And so you're right. It does require safety for a man. He needs to feel safe to deal with that. Um, yeah. But he also needs someone who's brave enough and courageous enough to be able to say like, dude, your issue isn't first and foremost pornography. Like yeah. 
that that's that's just an expression of what's going on really deep down inside of you and and so we need to spend some time trying to dig down to the heart and let's see what god wants to say about your heart yeah yeah I, i'd love to double down on the that that subject just of, of sexuality and lust and purity and you know all of it because i in my experience, at least with Promise Keepers events, it, it always comes up because I sure think does. it's, <laughs> under, yeah, you know, it's kind of understood that guys are, are working yeah. through that. Um, what have you found to be particularly helpful? And I, I guess I'm, I'm curious because I think your vantage point is unique in the sense that you have this broad sort of event spectrum where you can only do so much with a guy on the weekend, but you can still do something that's going to be very impactful for him. Um, and then you're, you also have the local church hat where that's a bit more ongoing and um, kind of little by little. What, what do guys need to be healthy in their sexuality? Yeah, great question. Um, uh, for most guys, we need to have a lot of things undone in our brains. Uh, we need to mm. rewire our thinking and, and how our brains have been formed and shaped. I, I don't I really don't believe that we fully comprehend uh, as men the, the ways that things like pornography or not even pornography, just the conversations that we've even heard about sexuality, the ways that those things have shaped our minds um, and the ways that we end up treating women uh, either out loud uh, or in our own thinking. Uh, mm. uh, and, and so, you know, I think we have to work on that. One of the big things when it comes to the heart issue is trying to understand like, what is it about the porn that is drawing you in? Like, why are you interested in porn what, what is the attraction so for a lot of guys that i've worked with one of the issues has been um porn makes them feel wanted hmm. um they yeah. there, there's there's a there's a power element to porn for men where you know deep down inside uh you know the woman on the other side of the screen or whatever you're watching on porn um, has this look back at you that is like peering into your soul and and you feel alive in that moment you feel you actually can convince yourself that person on that screen wants me yeah right and and, and so that's the lie that comes at us from from the devil about being wanted you know and, and so the heart issue is what i really go to porn for is because I need to feel wanted. I need to feel desired. Uh, and, and, and the truth of the gospel is that porn will always leave you empty, but God, the gospel truth is always that um, God wants you. Like God desires you, the, the creator of everything who knows you better than you know yourself, who knows every thing you've ever done wrong every moment of shame that you've ever had in your life he actually wants you hmm. wow. uh, he wants you so much that he sent his son jesus to die on the cross for you so that you could become his adopted son hmm. and and so the gospel always speaks to the heart issue of what's going on inside of us so that that's one of the issues that i've seen with guys and you know, I think in terms of teaching guys practical things uh, that, you know, we've done a lot of that in terms of workshops and events that we would teach guys. And one of the things practically that I've just said to guys is, 
um, go to bed at the same time as your wife. Like mm, stop staying, stop staying up past the time when she goes to bed. The two of you go to bed at the same time uh, because very little good happens after 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> like well whether, said, she goes, yeah. whether she goes to bed at 10 or 9.30 or 10, whatever time she goes to bed at. But like, honestly, very little good things happen when you're tired. Mm. Uh, your, your guard is down. You are not just tempted, but you're weak physically in the moment. So put the right kinds of things around you, make the right kind of choices and disciplines that are going to help to uh, protect you from temptations. The Bible tells us that we will be tempted, but that God always makes a way of escape when we're tempted. So understand yeah. that just going to bed at the same time as your wife is one way of escape. Mm, that's really good. Really good. I want to ask a question um, kind of in parallel with this, although a little bit of a different subject, but you've had uh, more prominent leadership roles like within Impactus, a Promise Keepers, and now within your local church. Um, and you are a family man, right? You're married with kids. Yep. Yeah, four um, kids. Yeah, four kids. Yeah, so you got enough to keep yourself busy there. Uh, what What does it look like? How How do you manage all of that while still trying to become a better disciple of Jesus? And, um, you know, I I um I interviewed Jared Lopes recently. Uh, he's got a ministry called Dad Tired. Yeah, and um and you know I think the the tired dad is um it's not it's not like this concept. I think all dads are living it out. And um, I guess I'm just curious, like, what have you done in your own life? And I'm sure you've done lots of guidance in this area as well. But do you have any tips for, for the dads out there who are feeling a little exhausted by trying to hit all these different marks? Oh, absolutely. I, here's the biggest thing that I would say to people who are exhausted. Um, we in our culture have everything backwards from the way God designed it. So if you go back to, uh, again, to the creation story, uh, it, there's just this beautiful picture where God's first, or man's first full day on earth was God's day of rest. Hmm. So, you know, humans are created on the sixth day, seventh day, God rests. So our first full day as humans on the earth was a day of rest. Wow. And then, and then the rest of the week was designed to work. So, ingrained into our design as humans is this idea of you were created to rest first and then work out of your rest. Mm. Uh, uh, and in our culture, we actually have it backwards. So, so we work, 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 and try to figure out when am I going to rest? Uh, and we cram something in and we try to jam it in and, and, you know, and it, we never rest well because we're just trying to slam it all together and make it fit. And, and so, so here's my practical challenge for guys. Like if you were to live in Israel today, uh, that concept carries through into Israel today. Hmm. The, the Sabbath day is like crazy in Israel. They shut everything down hmm. uh, at, at sunset on Friday night, everything is shut down and they party. I mean, they rest <laughs> and they party. And, and then at sunset on Saturday, when the sun goes down on Saturday, everything reopens. I mean, mm. so businesses 
will shut down for those 24 hours and literally reopen Saturday night to catch up on their work. Um, And, and, you know, if you know, Israel, Israel is an incredibly productive country uh, with the way that they go about their life and, and all that they produce for the whole world really is uh, it's an, it's a crazy place to be at. And so I've looked at that and I go, okay, what does that mean for my life? Some random guy sitting in North America uh, who is trying to figure out my life is so busy. How do I do this? So here's what I've done. I've figured out um, that at the beginning of every year, I try to already plan when am I going to rest? Okay. So, so you, you think about when are your vacation dates? Um, when are the days that are, um, like sacred days to your family, kids, birthdays, anniversaries, that kind of stuff, um, Mm. set those things aside on your calendar. Those are sacred days where when somebody else says, Hey, can you do this? Your answer is no, I'm already booked. Hmm. Um, they don't know that you're booked for a day off or a night off from going out uh, so that you can hang out with your family. All you have to do is say, I'm already booked. And and so you plan your rest, um, set it aside, uh, and you be ruthless about making sure that you take a day a week to rest. everything's going to try to creep in everything's going to try to pull you away from that but i'm telling you your creator made you to start with rest and so start there and then you won't believe how much more energy you have to work and do all the other things that you need to do through the rest of the week uh, when you start with rest that is so good yeah and i think it's one thing to say like Oh, you have to rest. Make sure rest is part of what you're doing. It's another thing to actually prioritize it. So that was that was fantastic and very practical as well. Um, and my last question for you, Kirk, or maybe I always say it's my last question, but it's never my last. <laughs> but we're getting near the last questions here. Um, what what made you uh, make the transition out of Promise Keepers into what you're doing now? Um, I, I kind of mentioned at the beginning. You know, I think a lot of people would see that as a step backwards. Um, but when we were talking before we hit record, you're very passionate about what you're doing. And as much as it's been, you know, a huge adjustment with COVID and everything, um, you're clearly taking it in stride. This is not something that you had to like settle for. It's not like you got edged out and decided to become a local church pastor here. Um, tell us a little bit about what was that process like and, uh, and what's got up to in your life these days? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I, I could have stayed at Promise Keepers in practice probably for as long as I wanted to. Um, yeah. uh, you know, we we had a great relationship with the board. The, the ministry was in a great place. Uh, we, you know, we just, I, I could have stayed as long as I wanted to. So I wasn't forced out in case anybody who are fans of the ministry are listening to this. I was not forced out of the ministry at all. Um, uh, here's the reality. When I was 16 years old, I believe God had called me to serve in the local church. Um, I, I just had this real sense of this is my ultimate place of, of calling from God. And, and so I've always stayed in leadership roles in the local church over the years. I I believe in the local church. I believe that there is just so much beauty and power that can happen when the local church is operating well and the way Jesus dreamed for her to operate and function. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I believe that uh, this is, you know, where the hands and feet of Jesus kind of come into play in our communities. 
And uh, I just think there's just something just beautiful and powerful in the local church. And so I was given the opportunity um, to consider uh, stepping into a role of pastoring here in my own local church. Uh, Our pastor had uh, resigned and was moving on. And as part of the search process, um, you know, some conversations just started to happen and we started to pray. And, you know, on a, on a human level, on a practical level, I was just, I was tired of traveling. Um, I, I spent yeah. a ton of time in airplanes and in hotel rooms. I was exhausted from traveling and yeah. um, we're moving towards an empty nest stage of life. All four of our kids are growing up and uh, moving out of the house. We still have two with us, but they're older and, it's uh we're just in a different season and stage of life and my wife is a bit of an introvert and so i knew that if i was on the road all the time uh while we moved into empty nest it was going to create some challenges for our marriage probably and for her on a personal level Uh, so all those factors kind of converged together and brought us to the point of saying yeah this may be where god's calling us uh and we kind of held it with an open hand and, and God just seemed to affirm and confirm this was his leading uh, every step of the way. Yeah, I love that. I, lo- I love it when things kind of align on a spiritual front and practically you can kind of see things aligning as well. Yeah. Um, it's really, really cool. Um, you're talking to guys who are from, you know, different stages of life in different places, uh, but likely, you know, looking to to improve something, whether it's their their walk with God, getting free of porn, maybe having a healthier marriage. Um, if, if there's something you could say to all of them, uh, what what would it be? What, what's your, your one pearl of wisdom you can offer these guys here who want to grow a little bit and maybe need some help? Oh, man. Uh, here's how I would answer that without trying to sound too spiritual to guys. Because what I'm about to say can come off as sounding a little pious and and overly spiritual. But I really have come to believe this uh, in all of my years of working with men and my own journey uh, of, of growing as a man. Um, two things. Number one, um, Jesus really meant it when he said, you can do nothing apart from him. Hmm. Um, that word nothing, it means exactly what it, you think it means. Uh, so everything that you want to be as a man uh, you are incapable of being that man apart from Jesus. Mm. Uh, and, and so you need to learn what it means to abide in Jesus. That's the only way your life is ever really going to change. And part of abiding in Jesus is, uh, this reality of, uh, what Jesus told us is the most important command in the entire Bible. Uh, he didn't say stop looking at porn was the most important command. He didn't say that love your love your wife was the most important command or be a great dad is the most important command. He said the most important commandment is to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right. And if you get that right, where it's not a priority issue. See, for a lot of us, we're linear thinkers. And so we, we, we look at something like that and we go, okay, I got to make God the first priority in my life. God is not to be the first priority of your life. He is to be your life. That is the mm. whole point. Um, and, and so Jesus, when Jesus gives that command, it's like this sense of like a, more like a hub of a wheel than anything else. So that if you think of the hub is loving God, uh, 
then you start to think about that in every sphere of your life and you go, okay, well, what does it mean? What does it look like for me to love God as a husband? What, right. what does it mean for love God as a father? What does it mean for me to love God as a man in my sexuality and anger and, you know, my mental health and in my work, like everything in your life, everything of who you are and what you do, center it, root it, build it around this idea of what does it mean to be a man who loves God with everything that I am and all that I have? That's beautiful. That was, yeah, perfect. Perfect. Really well said. Uh, Kirk, if, if guys do want to connect with you, where can they find you? Where can they find out more about you? Yeah, a couple places. First of all, um, I'm still doing a fair bit of contributing to uh, Impactus. You go to impactus.org uh, or start following them on social media. That, those are the best places there to see podcasts and articles I've written. Uh, but if you want to reach out to me personally, uh, feel free just to drop me an email. Uh, it's just Kirk G K I R K G at forwardchurch.ca. Awesome. Yeah, we'll put all that in the show notes. Uh, Kirk, thanks so much for your time and just sharing your wisdom today. Really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. It was a blast. Well, that was my interview with Kirk Giles. And um, I told you, the guy's just the real deal. He's very nice, um, really a warm-hearted individual, but just full of, of wisdom. And his experience working with men really shone through. And so I'm really, um, I was just excited I got to share this interview with you guys because I knew uh, that if it even blessed you a fraction of what it blessed me, it would be worth it. So, uh, so that was that was it. And um, and if you want to get connected with him or with Impactus, um, I will include all the links in the show notes. I am actually a contributor for Impactus, or I'm being kind of uh, vetted to become a contributor, doing a couple guest posts, and then probably we'll have a more formal arrangement with them in the fall. So that's all coming together as well, which is really exciting. And um, and I just I'm I'm very passionate about this ministry and what they're doing. So. Um, I hope that was a blessing to you. And I'm just trying to think if there's anything else I want to mention. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, two more things. If you haven't got your copy of the Ultimate Recovery Guide yet, uh, I highly encourage you to do that. These are the best practices you can implement starting today. If you want to get free of pornography, if you really want to lead your family with integrity, lead your ministries, ultimately lead your life with integrity, you can start by downloading this guide. There's no charge and it's available at ultimaterecoveryguide.com. And lastly, if you, uh, if you have two minutes out of your day, it would mean the world to me if you left a rating or review for the podcast. That helps us get the word out and it helps us reach more men like you who uh, deserve a better life, who, who want to live with more confidence, uh, with more integrity, and want to grow in their, their spiritual lives. And, uh, and so a rating or a review would mean the world to me. Hey, much love to you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Have an amazing day. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to The New Man Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, you can share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, please sign up for the weekly newsletter at www.sathiasam.com or follow on Instagram at Sam. Thanks again and see you next time.